0: Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Did you know that Budget Blinds is your home for Signature Series Shades? I
1: did, and I will say,
0: I'll hail those robot shade overlords. <laughs> if you are ready to make your home a smart home, Go visit our friends at Budget Blinds. And, and oh, oh, I'm going to stop the thing we usually say. Do you have something extra? I do have something extra. Now, more
1: precisely, they have something extra.
0: They have a little something extra. If you go to downtownls.org and purchase the love local passport there's a special deal for you you can get a free remote with the purchase of your automated window coverings
1: so there you go you'll have an opportunity to control those robot shades from your fancy remote and you know what you can do when you go to downtown lee summit and see them
0: tom jason nick
1: Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Orber, and as always, I'm joined by a man whose house is currently as leaky as the Chiefs' offensive line. Oh, it is Nick Parker. Too soon! Too Smith.
0: soon! <laughs> oh!
1: Uh, I couldn't find a way to make a bad uh, referee joke, so I had to go with the offensive line. Wow. I, I, it's too soon. Are you, are you still hurting a little bit? A little are bit. you okay? I, Cause like, I, I want to say this, our unofficial sponsor is the five stages of grief. And I don't know. I'm just trying to check with my friends to see if they are in denial. That's where I think I was. I was making, uh, I was making, um, we'll just call them election jokes about the, uh, the result of the game. We have anger, right? You know, we have all those stages. And I was where people are, um, I've moved to acceptance. Um, and mostly because I was very full of snacks. And it was easier at that point just to go to sleep
0: on <laughs> Sunday night. Have you moved to acceptance of the amount of food that you ate?
1: Oh, well, no. I'm really going to try to stay in denial about that. I've not even <laughs> stepped on the scale. <laughs> I've not done it. I would be sad. I would be sad about that whole thing. So,
0: Jason, we're going to have a little bit different episode this week. Uh, Is this
1: one of those very special episodes?
0: <laughs> on the next special episode. A very of- special episode of at Lee and Town Hall. This is February. This is Black History Month. And like I've been in the the community journalism game for a long time. I always get a little weird during Black History Month. And mostly because I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to go get those stories. And I always have this little bit of guilt when it comes February 1st and I call up the black people I know in town. Hey, this is the month where I get to talk to you, right? That's hard for me. So you went ahead and did it. Anyway. So I so went ahead and did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, but I, but I did that, Jason. We, we're gonna we're gonna play a conversation that we had with with, with two people uh, from from here in town here in a little bit. But I did it with the. I, I I just decided it was time to be honest, and it was time to say, Hey, look, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to have some of these conversations. So let's just talk. And talk we did. So here we are—a conversation with Reggie Gray, the one of the owners of Sabor Latino, a downtown Lisa uh, restaurant, and Nigel Woodbury. Probably, if you hang out downtown or if you go to any of the local breweries or breweries around Kansas City, you know who Nigel is. He's also the host of a podcast, "Beers with Nigel." I happen to know a little something about that podcast. But here is our conversation with them. About race, about diversity, and about Black History Month, and the things maybe that we should be talking about right here in our community. Welcome to the podcast, Reggie Gray and Nigel Woodbury, two Lee Summit residents, a business owner, and um, Nigel, the ambassador extraordinaire of all things craft beer downtown Lee Summit, uh, and a podcast host. Welcome, guys. Hey. hey. Hello, hello. I, I called you here and look I, I I told you I was gonna do this in the beginning but this is this is going to be my kind of I'm gonna be totally honest I'm calling some of my black friends
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> this is this is black History Month and as a throughout my career in local community journalism I've always struggled a little bit when it came to Black History Month and how to cover it and some of that is I'm gonna say even vanity I don't know how to go do these stories and not look like I'm doing it just because I'm supposed to and i look i'm a privileged white guy living in a privileged town so i am probably not the guy that should be talking about black history and should be leading discussions on on all of the various issues related to to race and diversity so I, i'm i'm calling you guys i want to talk a little bit about what it you know what is it like to be black in our community to be a black business owner Nigel, you and I host and produce a podcast together called "Beers with Nigel." You talk all the time about. i sp- plug number one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, always be branding. But you yeah. talk all the time about about broadening the audience, about about not just uh, getting more black people drinking beer, but into the industry itself, you know, brewers and and servers and and everything in, in, involved in the industry. So, so I called you guys with a purpose. Um, what what should we be talking about? How should somebody like me approach these topics without it being just obligatory?
3: Well, <laughs> I suppose <laughs> go, I for go for it. Go for it. Somebody has to
1: start.
3: You know, the interesting thing about Black History Month is, you know, some people were like, "Oh, it's what about white history? What about this history? What about that history?" Right? But if if if, if people know the history of black people in this country you know, and I have a different perspective growing up in England, uh, but if you know the history of, of what has happened in this country over the last 300 years, mm-hmm. then you, you, you'll, you'll understand that, you know, black history has not been told. I mean, you know, going to school, high school in Oklahoma or, or junior high in Oklahoma, there was no black history. But thankfully in high school, I had a black history teacher who didn't teach out a book because the books had nothing, had a little bit about civil rights, yeah. a little bit about slavery, but really the the narrative was whatever, you know, was in the book. So who was writing the books? Not black people. So, you know, if, 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 if you delve now, you know, now it's impossible not to find out the real stuff. Right? So if you go back and you're a student of history, you'll, you'll fast forward to where we are now. You'd be like, Oh, this is why you know black people feel feel disenfranchised or or mad or this that and the other is because you know things that, that were put in place years ago you know still have some sort of effect. Yeah. And then, so if 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 you're if you widen your your scope and take a look back, then you be like, well, yeah, we should be celebrating, but you know, Black History because it was snubbed for how many years, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Are you saying that maybe eight percent of the year get, it, or actually, and the shortest month isn't isn't enough on its own? Why Joel, Is that what you are saying? I you know I don't, I, don't,
3: I don't think it needs to be necessarily a month. I think it goes back to the broader broader question of twenty twenty, is you know acknowledging the black people actually exist, yeah, and, and and are successful and have brains and mm-hmm. you know you know get away from this. Well, just because you are branded with that color means a certain thing. It does not.
2: Yep, and and. Nigel, you said it perfectly, and I just want to add that black history is American history. So I know that the time for so many people is February. Let's talk about black people in February. But, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, when we do talk about it. The the reality is, unfortunately, that um, first thing people see uh, when they see uh, me and Nigel are uh, men of color. Regardless, that, that that's what you see. Uh, it, it, it's weird. Um, I went to an uh, predominantly white, all male private school from grades uh, from grades fifth through twelfth. Uh, that's one reason I went to an HBCU, historically black college and university, for college because I needed some diversity. It's so weird when February would come around and I just want to applaud you guys for inviting me and Nigel and doing a show like this, Uh, just just to hear uh, other people's perspectives uh, about uh, race, race matters and uh, the black culture. I mean, come on, when we talk about cool, hip, all the things that go on in marketing, so much comes from uh, black culture. But when it comes to who's making that money, it's surely not predominantly any black folk. The black folk have really unfortunately collectively never truly had the power. Black folk are so powerful when you talk about spending, when you talk about money. I mean, black folks spend millions of dollars into the economy annually. I mean, hundreds of millions, and unfortunately, probably only 2% of that is back into Black-owned businesses. So the majority of businesses we support are those that are not started and created by those who look like us. And we spend the money. Uh, but let me let me not get off, off subject here. Nigel said it best. Uh, we're not trying to go back 300 years ago and say, uh, give me this or you're a part of it because none of us uh, were here 300 years ago. Uh, but unfortunately... So much of what so many of us go through is uh, systemic. Uh, that's the reality. I mean, it's, it's just, is what it is. Uh, I've always, I had to be trained differently as a kid. My parents said, uh, Reggie, you better know how to talk to authority. You better know how to talk to police officers. See a lot of uh, white parents don't have to have that conversation. That's a part of white privilege. A lot of people don't understand that you're privileged because you're white because your color talks for you. You don't have to say anything, but black folk, a lot of us have to work 10 times harder, 20 times harder. My father, who's a doctor always said, Reggie, you have to have education because education is what makes you powerful. That's how you compete in this world. And black folk have been fighting to be educated since the beginning when folk didn't want us to be educated.
1: Right.
3: Let me not go on and on, but. uh, Oh no! no, no.
2: Well, I
0: I think you know. Sometimes maybe we get stuck on the the terminology there that we call it Black History Month. That we we have to talk about. You know, we have to go find the famous black person in town, and we have to. You know, we have to do that. But I, what I'm understanding here, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. What I'm understanding here is it's it's really just about knowing. The historical story and the the historical perspective, so that we can we can understand that not everybody's coming from the same place or the same starting block. To put it in a sports term, excellent way. Mm-hmm. That was for you, Nigel, because I know you were a track star in high school. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Nigel, um, you get you on your uh, on the podcast. You have uh, and with. Uh, and I'm going to give you all of the credit for the podcast, and none to my co-host here. Uh, Absolutely, your co-host should, there. By the way, <laughs> uh, but you have you have done a, a, I think an excellent job of centering uh, of black voices and 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 bringing as perspectives into that. How you are obviously integral in the the craft beer scene in our community and and a lot of the bits and pieces to do that. How do you? um, But yet you're not a brewer, so you're coming at this from an even even a different angle. Um, How have you found that that process? Not only um, sort of in your broader conversation with the, because you've talked to brewers from all over the country, but specifically as we as we get here to Lee Summit, how how is that? How are you impacting that conversation as we as we go forward, just in the beer making
3: community? Well, you know, as I as we talk about on on the podcast, you know, I grew up in England. So I have a totally different perspective than Reggie. You know, I you know I didn't really, you know I grew up in London, where it was multicultural. So, you know, I grew up around black people, white people. Um, then we moved to Ipswich, where before I came to the states, which is, you know, ninety percent white. So I have a totally different perspective. But it was when I was growing up in England, it was never, the the color was never an issue. It wasn't an issue till, till I came to the States, you know, as a 12 year old. And that's when I realized I was like, Oh, this is a thing over here. I mean, let's keep it real. (laughs) You know, we, we, came from, from England and we went to Oklahoma city, you know, and that is a,
1: as a strong culture shock.
3: Uh, Yeah, So what we knew Oklahoma was cowboys and Indians. Right. And one of the things that my brother and I talked about recently was like the first thing that i noticed there was a restaurant called Sambo's. And Sambo was a big racial slur in in England. Not the N word, it was Sambo. But I didn't experience that much and it wasn't until I came to the States, I'm like, oh. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, the... I don't have any problem going into white spaces or black spaces or whatever spaces because I I grew up around Mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. Um, You know, different parts of my life, you know, there's different people, there's different cultures, hell some of my best friends in high school I grew up eating kimchi at a, a Korean family's house you know what I'm saying or I'd go down the street my other homeboy was Vietnamese mm. so we never really you know we always had a just a, a, a diverse group of people you know growing up and so for me now being an adult I don't you know I can go into any space and 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 not feel comfortable and you know we we talk about this on the on the podcast because we you know we have yeah. Uh, diverse, you know, voices on there. And, you know, if if you grew up in this country, depending on what part of the, you know, the the country you grew up in, you might not be comfortable going to someplace where there's not somebody that looks like you. Yeah. And that, and that goes for white people as well. So, you know, so it's, you know, it's a, for me, it's, it's a, it's a personal thing and maybe a personal choice. Maybe, maybe I will notice that, wow, I'm the only brother up in here. But is that gonna make me leave? Absolutely not. Well, so, that
0: was that was the question I wanted to ask. And I don't think I've I've asked you this before when we've had these discussions, though. Because of your personality and and, and your perspective, you, you don't mind walking in anywhere. I mean, you know, you you're you are a personality that will will make friends and, and deal with stuff anywhere you go, but don't you
3: still notice? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I absolutely notice. I mean, you know, you know, my day job, you know. Sometimes I look, I'm like, wow, there is no diversity here, you know. Um, and, you know, maybe that maybe that's the thing that drives me, you know, being in the beer community. I'm like, OK, how do we, you know, we, you know, like our, our friend Afro Beer Chick talked about, you know, 2020 was, you know, we talked about it. Uh, 2021 is this be about it. So how do how do we, you know, go and get other people to understand this is a thing in their in their community? Because. You know on, on, uh, you know, on the, on the beer front, uh, you know, there's some shirts out there, uh, Black people like beer. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know and to the, to the average person, you know, that may not be the average worst white person, that may not be something they ever think about, because that's not something they have to think about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think sometimes, whether it be women or, or people of color, that may come to a brewery, people are a little surprised you know you know and and for and for my money if you know I work at three breweries and somebody of color comes in there you know I'm going to show them some love and let them yeah. know hey you're welcome yeah. you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to let them know that you're that you're I'm glad you're here and this this is a this is a safe space
2: and, All right, and, so,
1: uh, but Rich, go ahead. Sorry, you, and, you're you talking, not me. That's and, better. No,
2: oh, I'm sorry, my brother. Nigel just wanted to say is that uh, people that are in similar situations like Nigel, that's what makes Nigel special and important beyond belief, because perception is reality, being able to see someone who looks like me, who's in a different field, where there are not a lot of people who look like us, because craft beer come on now just me being uh i don't want to say naive i'm not thinking of a whole lot of uh african americans who are drawn to craft beer but guess what hearing nigel talk about it guess what it makes me more intrigued so that's why it's so important uh for folk like nigel and, and even myself uh to speak positively about the things that we do and we're good at i know you know this nick but uh I've been a professional magician. Uh, Now, I don't perform anymore, but I was pretty huge uh, for about 10 to 15 years. And when most people hear of magicians, they aren't thinking of a brother. The stereotype (laughs) is an old white man, gray hair with a rabbit out of a hat. That's the stereotype. So it did so much for me when I could perform in urban communities. Why? Because so many kids can see somebody who looks like them doing something different and something positive. In the urban core, come on, every kid wants to be what? A basketball player, an athlete, an actor. Those are the stereotypes so many of the people who look like us are drawn to. They don't wanna be doctors, lawyers, uh, business owners. So when they can see someone doing something different, uh, like me and Nigel, I think it's amazing. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. So I love what Nigel is doing, and Nigel, you're a smart guy. So I know you know this. You're making a huge impact just through representation and what
3: you're doing. But you, you know, I'll, I'll add to that. You know, you know, you know. I had a television career, and the reason I got into TV, I saw this brother in Oklahoma City that was a sports anchor. I was like, "Oh, I didn't know black people could do this." Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? It, was, it was one of those things. And then you then you go on a field trip to, to to a TV station. You see this guy. You're like, "Oh man, this is cool." That was really that's really how I really got into it. You know, it was I saw somebody that that I could kind of you know. I'm like, "Oh, I could do that." Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, at, at, at one point, you know, my my goal was to be on ESPN. That was my big goal, right? But it was based on this guy that I watched on CNN that was, the, you know, in, in the 80s that was so good at what he did. And you didn't see many, you know, black sportscasters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that. if I'm going to emulate somebody, I'm going to emulate him. And, and when, I, you know, when I did it, because I didn't get the ESPN, obviously, but, you know, I was a sports anchor, but I modeled my game after what he was. You know, so, you know, to your point, yeah, when you see somebody that does that, you're, you're like, wow, I didn't even think that was a possibility. Because I didn't know television was a possibility. I didn't, never thought of it. Yeah. What, oh, oh, what
0: uh, I'm struck up. Oh, go ahead.
2: Nick, I'm sorry. I just got to bring this up. Nigel, maybe think of it. So why do you think Black Panther was so huge to tens of millions of African-Americans worldwide? Because it was really one of the first movies that showed a majority cast. Of people who look like me and Nigel, who were strong, powerful, who were the superheroes. See, right. that's really nothing that special to to, to our white brothers and sisters, because y'all been the the excuse my language y'all been the shit since it started. But to see now, blood, now you've got to make you're gonna
1: make Nick edit now. That's awesome. So <laughs> I appreciate you. No, you're fine, Reggie. You're fine. No, I no, will say that I, there was a there's a little a, a little TikTok or whatever video of someone standing. Uh, a black man standing in front of a, a Black Panther poster and saying, said something to the effect of, this is what white people get to feel like all the time. And it was I that I crystallized, it, it, you what you said, crystallized that um, even more so. So, Reggie, let's let's talk about you a little bit and, and some of your experience. Apparently, you've been a magician, oh, yeah. uh, but you are currently uh, one of the primary investors in Sabor Latino. Correct. Um, And, and so that, that brings a lot of stuff, obviously, as a, as a black entrepreneur Mm -hmm. in a predominantly white community and, and someone who uh, works as well um, is on the board of an organization to promote black entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, So what has that journey been like for you? How are you, you doing? I mean, so not only are you bringing uh, your, your perspective to the investment in that restaurant, but you know, it's a, it's a. Latino restaurant. So it's a, it's a whole, that's another level of uh, diversity in that whole process. So how is that? How have you found sort of being one of the first folks of your, of your color or your race in, in the, in the Lee summit entrepreneur community?
2: Well, well, first of all, I just want to say, I'm, I'm so blessed to be in this community. This is really uh, a phenomenal uh, community hands down. Um, I also want to say that um uh, even though I'm a big advocate and promoter of circulating your money, circulating your wealth, uh, uh, let me just say this. One thing, I, two things I love about the Jewish and the Asian communities is they invest in their own like clockwork from birth. It's, it's a known, and I don't wanna uh, sound like I'm throwing stereotypes here, but there are certain communities that are stronger when it comes to keeping the money in their own communities. Um, an example, they say $1 circulates uh, the Asian community for 30 days. $1, 30 days. $1 circulates um, the Jewish community, I think it was like uh, 23 days. The Hispanic community, like 17 days the Black community, $1 circulates the Black community for six hours. That means that when Black folk get money, we don't keep it in our own communities and we don't consistently support our own. So that's one reason I'm so big into, um, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are. I circulate my money with all different races and people I support. And let me just say this too. um, I do not go out here telling everyone that uh, Sabor Latino is Black owned as well, because I'm one of those people where um, I don't want to be the best Black owned business. I want to be the best business. So, um, And I also have to admit that um, I'm privileged in my own right. Yes, I have a darker complexion. Yes, I'm an African American. uh, But I come from a family that has graduated from college over the last 150 years. I come from a family, I know who my great great grandfather is uh, because he left an inheritance and we're still growing from what the great great granddad did. See a lot of folks right. who look like me can't say that because we don't have long money. We don't have generational wealth. When most of us die, we leave our loved ones heartache and debt. That's what most Black folk do. I think 93 percent of black folk leave nothing when they die. This circle continues with those who look like me, where we we don't financially grow and leave. So in saying all that, um, I'm like Nigel, where I call myself a chameleon. I'm one of these guys where no matter where you put me at, I'll survive. Because I don't look at color in that regard, I I believe in folk. They keep their word. I build relationships, and I grow. That's how I'm about. So, at least some it's been easy because it's a lot of good people. Yes, I've met some ignorant right. folk, but the ignorant <laughs> folk, I'm quick to brush them off, and I move on.
1: See how fast this podcast ends when he finds <laughs> out who the ignorant folk are over here. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's done with us. Well, you know, you just you just talked about the you know. You do come from privilege. I, I, I think the first time we met, you you gave a speech about that, and I and I loved how you flipped the word word around. You are also successful, and and I think what I'm struck most about this conversation so far, look, I'm a marginally successful business owner, but all of the things you're still saying, whether you know all of the things that you believe, is you're still saying though that there's a lot of pressure on yourself. To be a role model, to, you know, you you, you just said how, how great it was to see Black Panther or to see, uh, Nigel, you saw a, a, another black sportscaster. But then you went on and it was like you were still putting that pressure on yourself to set that example for the next kid. And that's something I never have to think about. I mean, I sure. I want to be. Ex- I want to be an, a, a, an example for my son, but you know, we all we all know he needs to be modeled after his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't that think just pressure, see- do. You not put pressure on yourself for that?
3: I don't. I don't. I don't think it's pressure. I think you just. You know, if you if you have that certain mindset, and you know, again, success is relative um, to whatever you decide it's going to be and you carry yourself in a certain way, people of whatever color are gonna see what you do. I influence people not because I'm trying to influence people. I'm just, you know, Nick, we know the rules. Rule number one, don't die. We all know what new rule number two is, right? You cover that one. <laughs> don't don't it's, be it's, a it's, jerk. It's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a view of version of it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you just carry yourself a certain way and people See that you don't have to say anything, you know. What's what's uh, what's the old phrase, uh, Reggie? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. Come on, Nigel. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. It's, you know I don't, I don't I don't find pressure in that. You know I I I do what I do, and in and in and I try to do it well. And you know I you know I could yeah. Your kids are probably your your number one audience, but you know I like my my daughter was over here yesterday, and we sat down and had a, a serious, you know. Heady conversation, and she's 19, you know, and he's taking it all in. But that's based on, you know, her watch me over the years, or my sons watch me over the years, you know, present myself in, in a certain way, right? So I don't, it, you know, you you never know who you're affecting, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I like to I like to carry myself that way because you know, you know what they say, you never know who's watching.
2: Yeah, and uh, and I just have to say this real quickly. Um, Nigel is a, a good example of the stereotype that uh, black don't crack. Nigel got a 19-year-old daughter, young and good, so just want to throw that out there. That is a
0: stereotype. Do you agree with that, that, it, that it's not a pressure? Was I reading too much into that?
2: Uh, um, I, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I think um, I think that's relative. We're all different. Some of us put um, unnecessary pressures on myself. Uh, My wife says I need to go get counseling because I put so much pressure on me because of my upbringing and the father I had in my life. And uh, you you know, I I will say this, being a part of the Black Privilege Organization opened my eyes up uh, because to an extent um, I was blinded um, in my own privilege. And uh, Nick, I think you did, you started to talk a little bit uh, about privilege. And what I mean when I talk about privilege in this regard is that starting line. And you know, they'll say, uh, do you have two parents in the household? Okay, you're here. Um, uh, What type of school did you go to? This and that. And some people do start further ahead because of their upbringing. Nobody can control the family they're born into. Um, But I feel like, Black privilege taught me that the majority of folk who share this complexion, we have it really hard. And I don't, I'm the type of person where I don't like to give excuses. But if you really understand Black history and the history of, of our people and the struggle, oh my goodness, I mean, we still have so far to go. So I do, I'll say I put a little pressure on myself that I want to make sure that I'm the best representation of myself and of a black man, meaning that I want to make sure that when I'm out, I I speak well, I'm confident, I'm educated, Nick, I think I told you about this one incident that happened uh, where I live at. Uh, now, I do not have a lot of money. I'm blessed that when we moved to Lee Summit, uh, we moved close to my in-laws who stay in Lakewood. And uh, we were doing some work on our back uh, deck after we moved in. And a neighbor basically came up to me and said, hey, how you doing? And basically asked me uh, uh, if I was doing the job. And when I told him I wasn't the worker, he asked me if I was uh Uh, renting the house. And I politely asked him, I said, sir, um, if I was a white guy, would you have asked me if I was renting the house? And to my surprise, he admitted that he wouldn't have asked me that if I was a white guy. (laughs) And then we started to have a good conversation. So I'm not the one who's about to beat up folk uh, because we all have our own ways why we think the way we think. I just want to be able to have the dialogue and discuss it and help people understand why I think the way I think. So to this day, me and the guy wave to each other, and I think he'll never come at another black man like that again. You know <laughs> <what I mean?
1: laughs> So <laughs> Nigel, no, actually, this ties into something Nigel said a little earlier, and, and it struck me when you said it. Is like when you are working in one of the breweries or in it, and whatever environment you're in, because you're you, and you see another black person come in, uh, you make a point to make them feel welcome in these in these traditionally or over you know generally white spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of work on you, man. I mean, that's the, to put it out there. And I'm thank you for, for, you know, making the point to do that. But if, if you and 50 other white people are in a bar and another black person walks in, the burden shouldn't be on just you to make that person feel welcome um, that, you know, the rest of us out here should carry some of that and and do that. So what are for for those of us who want to try to do something, um, and I think you know, you guys talk about it. You're in the spaces you're in, and and your presence kind of brings. A, a, you guys carry a lot of weight uh, when you are in the by the dents of your of your personalities, your histories, your interests, and who you are. But what what are the what are all the white people around you should be doing to help make? Um, more black or african-american or whomever feel welcome in these spaces as we go forward that's i mean that's that's that question is like because it seems to me like we can't say you know well reggie and nigel are on it we're good that's that sounds like oh we already had black history month right that's the same that's right. the same argument
3: you know i i think that's it really depends on the person mm-hmm. who's working there because not everybody's comfortable yeah. Or, you know, everybody like Reggie said, everybody thinks a certain way. Um, I don't think the onus is on me, but I don't think there's any pressure. And, and unfortunately, in Kansas City, it doesn't happen very often. I You know, I can count I can count on maybe two hands that out of the three breweries that I, that I work at, that you've had somebody of color come in there. So it doesn't happen that often. So I guess that makes it easier because I'm like, OK, well, you know, hey, what's going on or, or whatever. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen like that. And Nick and I always ask that question to our guests on the other podcast that we won't name. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's OK. No, more plugs is fine.
1: I'm just... <laughs> no more plugs.
3: <laughs> you know, we, we've asked that question to brewers, drinkers, um, uh, uh, journalists, writers. And, you know, it's a tough question when when you're not of color. It, uh, not, 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 some of them are very, you know, shout out to to one of our guests from, uh, uh, from England, Melissa Cole. She cut to the chase and was like, yeah, we should be doing it and making it a point to do it, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, she's a white woman, but not every, not every, not every guest has said that. I mean, we've <laughs> there's been a couple of moments where we've hit them with that question. And you know, they stumbled all over it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we weren't trying to make it feel uncomfortable. But, but again I think we can count on actually, one
0: hand the the people that were ready to answer that question.
3: Oh, yeah. And it's 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 uh you know, and the one thing we you know we talk about the beer community, it's it's not it's not white because it's racist. It's, that's not it. Yeah, it's 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 about education and letting people know what's in their community. We can go to Atlanta, Georgia right now, and there's six or seven black owned breweries oh, yeah. and, and most of their clientele is black
2: Yeah,
3: or, or even Los Angeles or even, you know, you know, different cities that are, that have less, that have less, uh, minority representation than Kansas city. Cause let's keep it, keep it real. Kansas city is about 28% black,
2: yeah. mm-hmm.
3: but there's not a black owned brewery. There's only, uh, what was it, Nick? One brewer of color, right? Yeah, one assistant brewery. Yeah, and it's a
0: relatively new position.
3: Yeah. And, and, and I'm probably of you know, of the 40, 38 breweries in Kansas City, I am probably one of maybe four people of color that are serving. Because it's just it's just not one of those industries that people are exposed to when you're younger. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the whole television story. You know, yeah, you watch television, but you know, as a kid, you never think you know, it's kind of a magic box, right? (laughs) You don't think you can do that, but when you actually go someplace and you see it live, you're like, wow, you know? And, you know, one of our guests was, you know, he talked about, you know, educating, you know, women, minorities, LBG, you know, whoever, in not just the brewing part or the serving part, but there's so many other facets facets of the brew industry that people can do, but unless you know, how do you know how do you find out? And so part of the owners, I think, is on on brewers. But as we talk about all the time on the podcast, is that most of the breweries, the ones in Lee Summit, they're they're struggling to keep afloat. It it's, you know, I mean, the one in where I work in Blue Springs it's owned by two people and they're always there. So, you know, it's the balance of running a business, but at the same time, trying to increase, you know, the diversity of it at the same time. So. You know, it's it's a it's a hard question.
0: Yeah. Well, let's 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 keep talking a little bit about that action. And, and Nigel, you brought up. I, I think it was Afro Beer Chick who first that I first saw putting it out on that on that Twitter. And the beer Twitter community is huge, crazy, active. But where, where she said that you know 2020 was about voice, giving voice. 21, let's make that about action. So, right. you know, Jason and I started this this podcast about what four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to make it a place for you know conversations that need to happen in our in our least summit community or that are happening. What should we be talking about? You know, how do we have these conversations? How do we how do we facilitate them and encourage more of them so that perspectives can be shared and understood, and other people can say, "Hey, there's there's a, there is a black business owner. I could be that."
2: Uh, can Can I just say this? Do it. Y'all are doing it now. And that's what excites me. And and it may not be talking about something uh, specific to the community, but it's about bringing uh, black voices on that you know and that you trust and that you're comfortable with to hear different perspectives. That's what it's about because guess what? Someone is going to watch this that does not think like we think, but after they're done, they're gonna think a little differently. I think that's where it starts is just having the conversation, just like the gentleman who, who I had the conversation with in my home. It's conversation, and it has to start somewhere. And I just applaud you guys for in, inviting. I know Nigel's already in the podcast thing doing it big, but I just applaud <laughs> you all for, um, you know, for bringing us on today because this is what it's about, just to talk.
0: Should there be action beyond that?
2: um, Of of, of course there should. But um, I'll say this. Um, Where I'm at when it comes to action is just everyone circulating your money. I'm not saying spend all your money with a black-owned business. But I'm going to say if you have one or two people that you know of color who have a business and they provide a great product or a great service, support them. Support them once a month, once a quarter. Same goes for your white brother and sister. You're you're Jewish. You're Asian. But don't forget the African Americans, because that's one thing that our community struggles with. Our business community is, uh, you know, the lack of support. And I always say this: we have to do better ourselves, Black folks. We have to support our own better than we've done. But I open that to everyone. I just think we all have to find that one or two Black-owned businesses we like and show them some love. And there are more ways to show love than just spending money. You can show love with a shout out on social media uh, by giving their business card to someone. So many ways to show love. So that's, that's where I'm at. You know, you, you, that, that, that's where it is. You, you, you gotta spread the word about good people and good businesses.
3: And I think I think the beer community is good good at that because, you know, new a new brewery opens, people go. You know, the beer community is very very cool like that. They don't care. You know, even the beer ain't that great if it's if it's new and it's in the beer community, people are, are going to support it. It's 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 kind of a model for what the rest of you know, you know, other businesses could could do because again, think about the the pandemic. Not one brewery in Kansas City closed. Mm. Not one brewery in Kansas City closed. And they're still at 50% capacity. Um, shout out to Diametric Brewing and Lee Summit. Because when that when this all started, you know, Mac and those guys had an idea to say, hey, we're going to help the brewers. So they basically, all the breweries bought, brought their beer to that location. And people could order online and pick it up just to go. Wow. And it started out with like seven breweries after the six or seven Event it was like I don't know twenty seven thirty breweries. I, I know I know on one of those last ones between all those breweries, in on that one day event, it was like one hundred seventy five thousand dollars in beer it was sold. Wow! And so, that was just
1: for Nigel. You know they're they <laughs> <at it>.
3: and <laughs> I think it's a free beer, Nigel. <laughs> but you know to, to your point, Reggie, Yeah, that's the way. You know, I think some of these we should be for all businesses. Hey, you know, let's let's support the small, the big, because, you know, ultimately that that dollar gets, you know, I'd be curious to know what you know, how many how much how many times the beer community dollar goes around? Because, I, you know, I got friends who go to breweries every weekend, different ones. just to to show love. You know what I'm saying?
2: So, Nigel, let me ask you this real quickly. Uh, so to your knowledge, are there any black owned breweries? In our area, not just least some, Summit, the greater Kansas City. I can't from.
0: think of one in Kansas City.
3: There, there, there's not. There's not. There's uh, there's two female owned, yeah. uh, which is which is better than most cities. Um, you know, in, in the beer community, is one percent of what a seven thousand breweries in the country are minority owned. That's well, it. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah.
2: Nigel. Is that if you don't mind me asking, would you say is that one of your future goals? Is to uh, possibly own a brewery or
3: I, you know, something in the business? I don't know about owning. I, I certainly not, are not. I'm not going to brew, but you know. Nigel's something. more on the consumption. Know. He's on the consumption end of the business. Yeah. <laughs> the consumption side. I've got, got a crack at everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, somehow to to you know to at least facilitate, you know, what all my brewer friends want some diversity, you know, because ultimately, you know, you're missing money. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, you're hitting a, a small percentage of Kansas city. And there's this whole other group of people that, that uh, being ignored, Yeah, you know, so you're told you're totally uh, missing money. You know, it's like, I was watching something on PBS, you know, and the guy that put the juice, the juice bar, the brother put the juice bar in, uh, In uh, Westport, where he has one on truce now,
2: Ruby Jane, you know, on
3: truce, yeah, you know, and you know, somebody has to has to have the balls to go do something like that. Absolutely, where the community is like, oh, this is something that's never happened here before, and then then the community is like, oh, this is actually this actually is good. Yeah, we didn't know, but somebody presented it in front of them, you know, and I guess you know, you know, Nick and I talk about this all the time. You know, Boulevard is in a in a minority neighborhood. And they have done nothing yeah. with the cachet that they have. They've done nothing with it. Yep. And they've got and they've got money, money upon money to do anything they want, and they have done nothing. Mm. So, I, you know, what do? You, and they've been there for thirty years. Yep. That's Latino community forever. <laughs> There's no Latinos working at Boulevard. I've known I've known two people of color in twenty years that I've known that I've known about Boulevard.
2: And, and to me, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. When now, me, business owners, it's a, a private, you can do what you want with your money, but that's a problem when you don't have a plan uh, to give back. And I'm not just talking to the black community. I just mean the community in need, the communities that you're in. So the one that surrounds you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so uh, and maybe yeah. that's, and, and see Nick, we're doing exactly what you were talking about. My brother is, Conversation we're talking about, it. and who knows? Because uh, uh, you're making me interested in possibly even reaching out uh, to Boulevard through one of my organizations, just to see if they'd be willing to, uh, you know, to give back in some capacity, some capacity. Well,
3: Reggie, the first place we're going to send you, we're going to send you down the fringe, since you know magic and stuff, and so that's, that's their whole thing. That's their whole yeah. motif You could be a special guest.
2: Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Brother, I'm tired for a reason. I was tired of saying, yeah, and being that crazy guy. (laughs) But but I I, I have to be honest, though, because one thing I struggled with as an entertainer, and I'm going to be honest on the show, is even though I was um, super popular in Johnson County, did over 300 shows a year, I mean, you know, did really well. But one thing that I struggle with is, I was tired of being the clowns for the white man. And that's an internal issue that I have to deal with. And when I right. say the white man, I just mean one thing white folk love is they love a brother that'll make them laugh, entertain me. I remember I was at the country club and I'm entertaining them and I'm doing all this and I'm, I'm just having my own inner issues. Like, okay, my father's a doctor. Uh, shoot, I got plenty of money in the bank. Oh, oh, y'all like me, yo, because I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm that Eddie Murphy. So those are my own internal issues that I've had to deal with. And I've dealt with that ever since I was a 12-year-old magician. Can you respect me for being an entrepreneur? Can you respect me for being educated? Uh, no, you respect me because I, I, I can make you laugh. So I don't downplay the skill and the talent and, you know, making money in that. But that's an issue as a black man that I've I've had, and and I don't think that's right. But I'm just being honest. I'm human, so you know. I
0: I think it's good to 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 you know a, a, as a white guy. I think it's good to hear those things, and again, it's about you know hearing the different perspective and being able to think about those things before we talk.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. Well. You know, well I,
0: I wanna as we wrap things up, I, I I wanna again, I'm gonna kinda play the role of the dummy here. It's it's a hard one for me to <laughs> yeah, play. <time> cast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, is there anything we've missed that we really, you know, in this short period of time that we should we should still talk about? Is there anything we've missed that, that maybe you guys wanna make sure people know as we as we look to continue conversations and to continue action in our in our
3: little community? I mean Reg, Reggie said said it already. I mean basically, you know, just be open. You know, be have a conversation. You know, put your put your your biases, you know, look first of all, know your biases. Figure out those biases, know who you yeah, are yeah, right. and know what triggered you. And that once you know them, you know, then you can, you know, kind of, you know, have the the scales fall off your eyes and have a different perspective. You know, you know, the one thing I try to teach my kids is You know, people are people and what they think is what they're going to what they're going to think. It's not your job to worry about that. Your job is to be, you know, in this world is to be present and to be open to, you know, because we all have our our biases. Right. Whether we admit them or not, we have certain situations where we're like, hmm, you know, what I'm saying knowing yourself and then being open to others and, and accept them wherever they are. You know, one of the things i was talking to my daughter about, like, you know, if 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 a person's racist, I don't care. You can be a racist.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's 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 your choice. That takes some effort <laughs> to, to be that. Shelley you know, Shelley. it's another it's another thing to have bias and you just have, you know, some you know, some bias you don't know about. It's another thing that to out and out just hate whoever, you know what I'm saying? That takes effort. Um, who wants to that's a, that's that's a hard life. I don't want to do you know, I want to make life a little more easier than that. We got enough, you know, you know, stuff in our lives and have to worry about, you know, I don't like that person because, you know, because they wear glasses. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and all three of y'all got glasses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what
0: are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, they
1: can't see anything. So no, one well, of us had the courage to leave their glasses on. I just want that noted here. <laughs>
3: So, you know, just, you know, be open and, you know, to other people, you know, accept them for who they are. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to change any of you guys. I mean, you know, sometimes, but you know, don't, <laughs> well, don't work. He, needs the, he
0: needs the most work. So it's fine. Right, well, the whole, the whole premise of the other podcast is Nigel says he's coaching me up. So.
3: <laughs> and I've done a great job. You
1: have, you've been, you've been excellent.
0: Well, I, uh, Reggie Gray, Nigel Woodbury, I thank you so much for coming on and and, and letting me call you. I, I I felt guilty making that call. It just it was just it just I really struggle with this this topic every single year. And and I because I want these conversations to be authentic and not and not obligatory. And I think that's 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 my own struggle with it. So thank you um, both I, very I, much.
2: I and I just want to say um, not only do I appreciate your honesty, um, I appreciate uh, you guys' platform. I appreciate you for taking the time to want to talk about this. Come on, talk right. about Black History in less than an hour. Come on, you know this thing could well, be. You, uh,
0: you're saying this wasn't thorough.
1: We didn't cover the whole thing.
2: Uh, <laughs> we need we we need 300 years. Come on, man. But, uh, that's I a just,
1: that's a lot of episodes.
2: Yeah, I, I just I just want to applaud you guys and say thank you for being a voice. And thank you for allowing uh, me and Nigel to come and talk a little bit more about our black history and our beliefs and uh, keep up the great work. So, um, And uh, anybody yeah, who sees uh, me and Nigel out there in, the, in Lee Summit, come and talk to us and uh, get to know us because uh, I'm just me, and Nigel, and I'm ready already to learn more about craft beer <laughs> and uh, what we can do to take over another market. Yeah. Hey, let's do it.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to flip the script. Nigel, where can people find your podcast, "Beers with Nigel"?
3: Do it. Uh, Beerswithnigel.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. That's the the video version, which is quite uh, interesting, right, Nick? So, (laughs) interesting good word. If you want to hear and see the shenanigans,
2: (laughs) I was tuning in myself. And
0: and and Reggie Gray, Sabor Latino is your business. Tell us where people can find and follow that great restaurant.
2: Oh come on, Sabor Latino, Latin cuisine and bar. We just hit the one year uh, mark downtown Lee Summit. Oh, we love this city. Uh, we're on the corner of uh, Third and Market, uh, and it's uh, tasteoflatin.com. Deliver, uh, pick up, and uh, and even once the pandemic uh, is over, if that's ever going to happen, uh, we're still not going to add all those extra seatings. We want to keep the plenty of space uh, between customers, and come and have a good time. And if you have any problems, Uh, hit us up on Facebook let us know and uh, we will hit you directly because there's nothing better than taking great care of our customers so and anyone who supported us thank you so much we are a small minority-owned business and for all I don't care business is hard no matter what color you are so thank you for your support
1: yeah, the pandemic is well, not actually colorblind, but pretty close. It, it uh, whacks us all pretty hard. So I, I got you. All right. those restaurants have been hit real hard. So you're right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. When we really appreciate it.
0: And congratulations you. on on your one year anniversary for the downtown right. restaurant. That is that's yep. fantastic. Thank well, guys, you. thank you very much. I appreciate it, and that will wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to everybody next time.
3: Yeah.